Happy Hour, the officially unofficial podcast for Mad Men on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And I, I kind of went with a little bit more dulcet of a tone, A, because my voice is really strained, I'm sick, uh, but also because it's been a year, and we haven't talked to you guys, and I didn't want to scare you when we came back. <laughs> Punch you in the face with Jim Jones. Yeah, I didn't want to Chris right Hardwick this thing, so <laughs> I figured I'd go a little bit softer this time. Lane but next Price week, hung himself. How crazy was that? <laughs> Hashtag Lane Price rearview mirror Christmas ornament. <laughs> uh, so we are doing the season seven preview this week. Uh, it's about to come back on the air this Sunday, just a few days from now. Uh, we're a little late on our preview. But I've been sick, and I've been traveling, and we've been busy. So before we get into kind of the discussion about the new season and what we think is going to happen, Aaron has some whoring to do. Some whoring? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fees and commissions, Jim. Okay. Uh, right. Because we've gone full-time in this podcasting deal since we talked to you last, assuming you aren't following us uh, from podcast to podcast like so many fish fans. Uh, for the ones just joining us, uh, we, we're going full-time. We're going to be doing a lot more coverage this year. Uh, hopefully, you'll check out baldmove.com from time to time to see if we're covering one of your favorite shows. Uh, one of the things that's enabling to do this, aside from the Amazon affiliate link and other stuff, is we've signed up for a outfit called Subbable. Uh, Subbable.com, S-U-B-B-A-B-L-E.com slash baldmove. You can go there to read our full pitch. Um... It's a way for you to subscribe to the podcasts, and you can do it for free, uh, but you can also set up to give us a one-time uh, donation um, or a subscription fee, or you can set it to be a recurring, like a buck a month or a couple bucks a month, whatever. And the cool thing is it's kind of like a Kickstarter that never ends and that as you spend money on Subbable, as you back our content, as you subscribe to our content – Every dollar you put down goes towards perk bucks, mm-hmm. and you can redeem those in for kind of fun little prizes. You can get our name, your name on the Wall of Fame. Uh, you can get some custom content, all the way up to commissioning Jim and I to do custom podcasts for you. Um, there's a lot of cool things, and unlike uh, a Kickstarter where you have to pony up everything up front. This you could you know subscribe for a dollar a month, and after twelve dollars, twelve months, you got twelve bucks that you could turn in. You don't. It's kind of mm-hmm. like uh, Kickstarter with a layaway. Kickstarter the layaway. <laughs> That's how I like to describe it. If, if if only we had Don Draper, he could probably you know do this passionate thing about how you know Sears catalog comes at once a year, and the kids get excited about Christmas, and there's layaway, and you feel good about. Anyway, I, I don't got the Draper search. Sure. Yeah, uh, but we're excited about <laughs> Obviously. it. Obviously, neither of us do. It's something that we decided to do. Uh, you know, people ought to congratulate us when they hear this. Uh, don't congratulate us yet because we have not made it. We're actually yeah. spending our life savings and our retirement accounts in the hopes that this will pay off. Um, but uh, in fact, uh, you know, Subbable's got this little thermometer thing where it shows the percentage of how close we are to getting our monthly recurring goal. If we got that to be 100%, that's basically me and Jim 
funded at a sustenance level. Mm-hmm. It's going to put, it's going to keep a roof over our heads and food on our tables. Um, we got a ways to go, but you know we we projected that it would take a while to build up to that. So and, and it looks pretty scary right now because I think it's around eleven percent, which sounds 12. it sounds like oh my god, how are these people even eating? Uh, of course, we have other revenue streams, but right, they're you know they're not huge. Right, and the podcast is always going to be free. We're not. Yeah, um, there's other things you can do to support us. Amazon still works. That's supporting us for basically free. Uh, you can you know tell friends. You can uh, use your iTunes link. We'll talk about that at the end of the cast. But I wanted you to make you aware of the, the new feature. And if you do decide to support us, we really appreciate it. We're really excited about doing this full time. And uh, the reason we did it is because people kept asking us to do more and more. Yeah, we had lots of great ideas. And the golden age of television rolls on. And we were it was hurting us to not have to make decisions like covering justified or whether we want to do the new Fargo. And we're like, fuck it, let's do it all. Yep. And hopefully you guys will make that pay off for us. So we appreciate your support and we appreciate you listening. I think that's about enough. I feel, I feel appropriately dirty. I feel like the, okay. it's about time for the listeners to give me a necklace and then go out the door. <laughs> all right. Sure. Um, so what are we talking about this week? Yeah, we're talking about season seven. First, first off, season seven, they're doing the uh, AMC just has a hard time cleanly breaking up. They're they're the needy ex boyfriend in your life that's always wanting to recycle. Matt Weiner said it's time. Matt Weiner said it's time to go, and AMC says, "Come on, baby, one more season." <laughs> uh, now he's I see like, what you're getting at. He's like, "All right, I'll break. I'll break it in half." And what that means is we get, unlike Breaking Bad, where we got three more episodes than we'd normally get in a final season, we're getting one more episode. They're going to do a seven-episode season this Seven spring. and seven, one of my favorite drinks. There you go. Uh, <laughs> seven-episode season this season, and then next spring they're going to have the final, the final final, the no-shit final seven season. Sure. And uh, the wiener is treating this as, like he's he said that, you know, it's not too big of a stretch because they already had kind of like a mid-season climax, and they just they've just mm. had to make that a little bit more climaxy, and that the next episode a little bit more premiery. Yeah, and he sees that there's going to be no creative problems with this. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on? I mean, do you? I don't know that I liked it as a fan, but it really seemed to pour gas on the brush fire that was Breaking Bad. Oh like, yeah, they yeah. doubled their audience in between the seasons because it gives that many. It gets the buzz going. It gets that many yep. more people on Netflix. Sure, watching the past seasons, uh, it's it's hard to argue with the results. I don't like it as a fan because I hate waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and also as a podcaster, it makes it a little bit easier because we have a lot of stretches where. You know, we'll have two shows overlapping, and the shorter shows uh, make it easier to to do these podcasts when we don't have to do like three a week. And of course we benefit too from more rabid fan interest, you know, the more, sure, yeah. you know, Mad Men going uh, from 3 million to four and a half million viewers, for example, would probably roughly translate to a 50% ratings increase for us. And it feels a little bit like cheating because, so they're calling it all season seven, right? That is total horseshit. It's complete horseshit. They did it with Breaking Bad though, season five and the final season. Right. 
bullshit. It's all season five. You just broke it up so you could get more DVD sales. That's the other thing that it does for you. Yes, him. it does. Two box sets instead of one. Yep. Great. And then the, C, the the series deluxe box set that comes out a year later with <laughs> exactly. the new documentary. And... and then the entire series box set. And oh, yeah. Yeah, you just get box set after box set. Um, But it feels like cheating also because you can you can tell your audience it's the final season. When actually you've got two seasons in a row, so you can really build the hype there. Final season, uh, and then like halfway through, you can still say, "Well, we're going into the final season. Get caught up." Like, right? You can build that audience over two years. It's it's silly, but I understand why they do it. I guess. Yeah, and and what about Emmys? I mean, look uh, at Breaking Bad. Got an extra year worth of stealing Emmys from John Hamm. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, and and Vincent Carthizer and everybody involved in this. Yeah, you know, it's funny because if you'd asked me after Breaking Bad aired, I'd have said, it's, you know, there's no way. Breaking Bad all the way. But yeah. True Detective submitted as a, a drama, not as a miniseries. And now, you know, if, if if you didn't, we actually had a little mini cast on True Detective in our Bald Move TV feed. Yeah. We loved that show, and it was really strong, and I see it raking in huge rewards but it's hard to tell because the emmys are fucking weird we've talked about that we did yeah uh the fact that Mad Men has not won a single one the fact that the wire never won anything is mind-blowing yeah it's insulting actually <laughs> uh one more thing before we get into the meat proper uh you know i got a lot of shit um in both directions about because i always said that i preferred Mad Men to breaking bad it was not that i thought one was better than the other just my personal preference and the fact that it came down to degree of difficulty, hmm. executing Mad Men with its lack of act, relative lack of action and its subject material, I think is objectively harder to do than Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is funnier. It's more exciting. It's got, yeah. you know, shit blows up. It has more of a range to it. People certainly. are murdered. Yeah. Yeah. I got, but the Villigan, the way he nailed that last season and stuck the landing yeah. The degree of difficulty of that is so high that I think it's now in, in the Wiener's court. Uh, Breaking yeah, Bad yeah. has taken a pole position for me. Okay. Not of all time. Wire still. Okay. And yeah, I, need, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to revisit that because it's, man, they're really neck and neck because the wire is the opposite. They kind of yeah. stumbled going into last season slightly. And I think most shows do, right? It's hard. It's I, I can think of how, several shows. How do you wrap up? With the fans so invested in a way that feels so satisfying and mm-hmm. rewarding, and up, you know, it, it's it's tough. Can the wiener deliver? Uh, you know, his mentor uh, over with the Sopranos famously <laughs> put in what would be a lot of people considered an unsatisfying finale. Sure, yeah. Although I I feel like this is the kind of show that we have enjoyed just really interpreting kind of through our own lenses over the years. Um, so it's not something where I see that the audience will expect a definite ending, um, like like a, a very conclusive finale. I think if he leaves it kind of vague, if he leaves it a little more open-ended, people will fill in their own, fill in their own blanks there. Right. And I think they're used to doing that with this show, so it's not as much of a problem as it would have been for something like Breaking Bad. Right. But, you know, with a compressed seven-episode season, I think expectations are going to be sky high. I know mine Mm, are. Yeah. Because I'm going to want to see a nice, cohesive arc. I want to see – I don't want to see a cliffhanger so much as 
you know, a natural feeling of act one in a two act play has been completed. Okay. If it is a little too cliffhangery, I guess, you know, then I'll have to take all my expectations and load them bigger and better on the next season. Well, but, we had a pretty big cliffhanger last season. I mean, yeah, what's up with Don at this point, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe this is a good jumping off point. Yes. To our actual content. Yes. Uh, do you want me to lead this? Because sure. did yeah. you have any things you want to talk well, about? You have all the feedback. I do have a bunch of questions that I, I wanted to okay. kind of talk about. I, I, we got quite a bit of feedback, especially on Facebook, and I thought that they were excellent bullet points uh, and jumping off points for discussion. Uh, first one, Sarah L. asks, are Don and Megan finished? Don and Megan. We See, both... I didn't get that from right. the end of last season. I read a a write-up kind of of like a preview for this season and a write-up of last season, and what was that? they said that no, I'm not even going to van- vanity. Fair. No, it wasn't. It was some oh. other side. I'm not even going to mention it. Cause it was terrible. It mm. was terrible on all counts, but they seemed to be under the impression that a Don had lost his job, which I don't think is explicitly said in the episode. And well, I know you, you saw an interview with Matt Wiener who said that you were supposed to infer that Don had lost his job. He thought it was obvious. I don't think it was obvious. I think it was maybe subtly hinted when, Don says I want a return date, and they don't give him one. Um, yeah, the more I think about it, and I've uh, I've seen that episode again since I feel like, and maybe it's just my knowledge of what he said coloring it, but it did seem pretty decisive. I don't have a problem with saying okay. Don's lost his job. But the other thing that they said is that Don had lost Megan. That I have a problem with, or or lost his marriage, and I do not agree with that. I think yes, they were on the rocks. I think you know Megan wanted to go to California. Don said no. They, they, she was not happy with that, but in the end, would he even say no? He said, "Let's be bi-coastal." Yeah, well, I mean, he said no by giving the the California position to Ted, right? Oh, well, I mean, the, 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 I mean, he gave away that opportunity. The, yes, yes. So he made that decision. Um, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think their marriage is over, I, and I would I, be surprised if we come back and it is over lunch. I was saying because you mentioned that and you were scoffing. I'm like, that's crazy. I mean, we've seen them have worse fights over more important things. Yes, and then have steamy sex right afterwards. Now, yeah, their relationship's definitely been on a downward spiral. But um, I feel like she's the woman. She's a woman that's just now starting to think. You know what? Maybe we didn't have anything special over Betty. Maybe. He got tired of Betty in the same way he's getting tired of me. Yeah. But she's like – and maybe she's perceptive enough or strong enough that she's like had enough at that point. But I feel like they're she's, – she's not quite ready to – I mean she's at her wits in. She's very disappointed. But it seems to me at their point in the relationship she would try – a bi-coastal thing. Be- and even the suggestion that they're going to try it tells me that it's not over. Yeah, that she's disappointed and all that. But the fact that if we came back a year later and they're just divorced. That would – I, I could see separated. that. I could see that. That would make sense. But they're – at the end, left as it is at the end of season six, they're not separated or divorced or anything. Yeah, I guess I'd say – I could – yeah, I would – it wouldn't surprise me if they came back and they were separated. It would very surprise me if they were divorced already. Okay. Uh, well, we don't – Because that would mean – that would imply that they didn't even make – and I've been wrong about everything I said. Well, one of my <laughs> questions was going to be how much time do you think will have passed when we come back to season seven? Because we know traditionally it's been somewhere around a year, right? Yeah. I think uh, we ended in very early uh, – I, I want to say it's very early 69. I think we're going to be 
kind of late in the year 69, okay. which means we probably skipped the moon landing. Ah. Well, for some reason, it feels like we can't skip the moon landing. Like, that's such a big event, and they have a history of taking those big, big events and weaving them into the show. Right. Uh, I would be disappointed if they skipped the moon landing, honestly. Yeah. So maybe they won't have had time to, you know, suss this all out, uh, and we'll still see them together trying to make it work bi-coastally. Right. So that was another thing you said. Um, oh, actually, no, it, it ended. I thought we were through Christmas, but it wasn't. It was November 68th that they ended on, roughly. Hmm, so okay. if we jumped forward eight months, we'd be we'd be right there in, the, in, in time for the, you know, seven, eight months. We'd be right there in time for the, the moon landing. Sure. Okay. They, they, they just haven't. That. There's a lot of momentous space events happening. I don't feel like they've ever referenced it. So I I, I know the moon yeah. event is it's a the, lot bigger. Yeah, the it's much event. more Kennedy the, assassination, Martin Luther King level assassination kind of thing that we've traditionally cut to, where everyone's glued to the boob tube. So yeah, yeah, I'd be personally disappointed if they skipped it entirely. Okay, me too. Um, that has nothing to do with Megan and Don's relationship, except for you know. Set, so in no, seven it's months, the time frame. Yeah, if seven months they're divorced. That just seems extremely fast for a divorce in the late sixties. Sure. So okay. Yeah, you have to consider the time frame, the the, the period that we're talking about here. Um, Certainly. <laughs> so I think we've covered that well enough. Any other comments before we move on to John T. asks, does Don deserve to find peace? Oh. That deserve is a – because I don't think people deserve shit. Well, so I think he's assuming an inherent uh, deservingness of everyone to find peace. And saying that maybe Don is not a good enough guy to find peace. That's what I'm saying. With all the I, things he's done. Yeah, I mean. So you don't buy the basic premise of that shit, question. <laughs> shitty people have happy endings all the time. Good people True. have shitty things all the time. It's That's life. And I could see Matthew Weiner. Uh, God damn it. Matthew Weiner <laughs> going either way, honestly. Use his proper first name and then call his last name Weiner. Yeah. Not cool. Uh, okay, better question then. Do you want him to have a happy ending? Yes, because I think I can't help but feel sorry for Don. And um, you're still rooting for him. I, I, it's, it, it's sad because I wish he had had some of these epiphanies 10 years ago because I always mm. root for people to end the cycles. You know, you see cycles of violence run through families generationally. You see cycles of alcohol and substance abuse. Um. I'm always rooting for the guy to be the one that lets that be buried with him and mm -hmm. doesn't pass it on to his children. I almost feel like it's too late for the majority of his children yeah. to not be fucked up by Don Draper. But how can you not feel sorry for the little boy whose only source of happiness in the whorehouse <laughs> he grew up in was a fucking Hershey bar? Yeah. And I'm not excusing and condoning any of his behavior. But yes, I would like to see Don Draper find not necessarily happiness, uh, but peace, and okay. for his children as well. What about you, Jim? Huh. Um. I think I'm less about Don finding peace, and more concerned about his children. I would like for Sally and Bobby, and whatever the stupid baby's name is, I don't know. Gene, <laughs> Eugene, Gene, baby, baby warlock Gene, as the Mad Men recap yeah. puts it. Uh, I'm less about Don finding peace and more about them finding peace. 
because like you said, I, I do not like the perpetuation of these, these horrible parenting skills that both Betty and Don oh, have been giving passing on to their children. That's just, yeah, that's yeah. wrong. So I'm rooting for them over Don. I think Don will have an ending fitting his character, which is probably not a peaceful one. Is hmm. I, I imagine Don being alone and, and I don't necessarily mean alone. I mean, he'll always have, you know, his, his bimbos or whatever he's got, his relationships, but there won't ever be a meaningful one for him. Hmm. In my my view of Don's life. All right. Uh, Aaron. The... Which, which is interesting considering the happy or the satisfying ending to this series. Can your vision of what you want Don to have and my vision of what I want Don to have both be satisfied by an ending? That's That's tough to do, right? Well, Don, I mean, so what, if he's alone, Don has never been a guy who be, could be comfortable alone. Sure. He has to have that external validation. Yeah. So you you seeing him being alone and me seeing him being as peaceful could be just him coming to terms that maybe that's the best. Huh. That he can be okay. secure in himself and not have to go out and hurt other people to get that validation he needs. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, there you go, synthesis. Uh, Eren DL asks, "Will Sally end up with Glenn? Creepy ass Glenn. Please God no." Oh states, God. Parenthetically. Yeah, I'm with you. Please no. God no. no. I just saw no. For one thing, I think Glenn sees her more as a little sister. Uh, yeah. More than more, not even a little well, sister, just as a a sibling, someone that they went through some rocky times together, and they had this kind of understanding. Yeah, I mean, we saw the scene in in her boarding school uh, yeah. where dude tried to hit on her, got a little too frisky and Glenn stood up for her. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a definite sister brother relationship. Not, it could also be jealous boyfriend, although I, it wasn't, it didn't feel like I, that yeah, at all. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, he was with some other girl at the time. Yeah. I, I'm with you. It's, I perhaps, it's brother, sister. I perhaps devil advocate a little too much for my own <laughs> kids sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Ben R says, we'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on the Wiener's claim about this season being all about consequences. What repercussions will there be for SCP canning Don? Don's lies about everything. Pete and Ted's move to L.A. Roger checking out from his work life, etc. Oh, there's a lot in there. Let's let's take, take it from the top. SCP shit cans Don. He hmm. has been their war horse that they have rode to much glory over the years. Mm -hmm. But in his last two, arguably three years... He's been way off his game, other than occasional flashes of brilliance. Yeah. I mean, he practically ruined the company last season. <laughs> Arguably. He would have had had uh, Roger not stepped in with Chevy, right? I mean, it was a combination of him and Pete. Uh, but, but, yeah, I, I think there was a lot of blame to go around. Right, okay. Especially I'll, heaped on Don, though. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'll I'll agree with that far. Okay, so the the idea that now probably the better half of the SCMP team is off to California and they have no Don, uh, that's a problem for the New York side of this company, I think. I mean, we've seen pitches from Teddy, and they haven't been good in our opinion. Mm. <laughs> They've been far worse than the pitches that either Don or Peggy comes up with. It's true, but then again, we only saw we know Teddy was successful because he was. We do, yeah. He was always nipping at Don's heels. Or maybe it was Frank that was successful. Now Frank's dead. 
could be. Could be. <laughs> Although he was kind of just the artist. Yeah. What, what but, did he do there? Yeah, he was kind of. He drew like rockets. The, yeah. He was the he was the the on the creative side and the art side. Hmm. Um I think that the one thing they'll miss is even though that he wasn't his best as a creative director, Don was a was like the cooler. Okay. Like uh Patrick Swayze Roadhouse style, client pissed off, upset, ready to walk out. Don could go there and spin just enough bullshit and just enough charm and you know that image of him being this awesome guy. Yeah, his yeah. reputation. Even clients that maybe not even met him know Don who Don Draper is because he's won awards and all this stuff. He's the ad man. So he is. I think the account men are going to miss him. You know, oh yeah. In so in the that capacity, the cooler in that sense, not the cooler in the William H Macy Alec Baldwin flake sense. I what you haven't seen that one. That's no, the one where not. Adam Baldwin uh, owns a casino and William H Macy comes in to cool off tables that are too hot. He'll go in <laughs> to just spread bad luck. Oh wow! Okay, not you that lo- kind of cool. You lost you, Alec or Adam? Alec Baldwin. Oh, you said, I thought you said Adam. I'm like, uh, you lost maybe it's me. my voice. In, in the other Baldwin brother, it's like no. I yeah, just... except maybe the Firefly one. Which one is that? I don't know. Oh yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I mean, it's the reputation that Don has that has certainly kept a lot of business with SCPD when they were still a thing. And SCP, um, and now SCMP, um. Yeah, and Pete. Pete has been a huge asset to SCDP uh, in the past. Now with the merger and him going to California, it doesn't feel like they have a lot of good people left in New York. Hmm. They're all in California now, which is a good thing overall probably for SCMP, but not for the New York branch. New York branch kind of feels like it's maybe stagnant at this point. Yeah. So maybe the people they got watching that are the people they need to just maintain an empire. Yeah, and then yeah. they're sending their their the the badasses out west to conquer. Yeah, to do a little, and they're going to hit it at the right time. I mean, you know, we oh, talked yeah. about this. LA's poised to posed poised to be explained. <laughs> where where did Harry end up? Uh, up some hairy asshole. I don't I don't <laughs> okay. know. I I don't know either. Some place so. as long as there's a giant ass column in his office because he's the guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> get Joan out of or get Peggy out of that office and get. We're pissing Harry off D or somebody because there's another question down the line about him. I okay. People, people are just mad that we don't give him his props. He, he's fantastic he, at his job, but he's got – He's now regional manager at White Castle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. He's a Roddy Dangerfield of SCMP. He, gets, <laughs> he just gets no respect. He doesn't. Uh, Jonathan C., the decision to close the show in the 60s, some thought it would be great, or I thought it would be great to jump it uh, forward a few decades forward and then track back to resolutions and lessons learned. What do we think about that? Like if Ooh. we flash forward to an 80s or a 90s Don. 80s, he would be like 80 or 90 at that point. No, nah, nah, he'd be so. like 60. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. I They've done this pretty linearly, linearly so far, and I think that's worked well for him. I would be... A little worried if they got too creative with it. Honestly, I thought that that was kind of the Wiener's thesis, that 60s was a a period of great upheaval in America. Mm. Sure. And I agree with that. And that he wanted to tell a very specific story through a very specific lens. And keeping it within a decade, I think, makes a lot of thematic sense. And... 
I'm also sympathetic to things when they're like artsy attempts, and that's like an artsy fartsy thing that appeals to that side of me. So I I like it. I don't. We can. That's going to be really epic next year when this is all finished. We can probably fill up a whole podcast of like, you know, what happened next. Kind of like what we did to True uh, Detective. At yeah, the end yeah. of that, where did these people go? How do you see them? How do you see Don in the '70s and '80s and the '90s? Where is Sally? Yeah. That will be fascinating. And I much prefer that than like a Harry Potter style. Oh, look, here's who married who, and here's what the kids looked like, and blah blah. You know, it's like huh. kind of bullshit that then. Ten years later, they can just disown and back away from. I never saw that. Well, doesn't surprise me, but you're missing out on some good shit there, Jim. Uh, Jamie T. As a grown-ass man advocates for children's literature, Jamie T. interjects, Are they going to show Detroit red? Are they going to show Bob Benson? Hmm. You think Bob Benson is the uh, first stage of an Atlas, a Saturn rocket, and it's just going to be ejected after it's been used and burned up in the atmosphere? Sure. His only purpose was to boost Manolo into <laughs> where he needed I, to be to murder yeah. Pete's grandmother. You're you're laughing, but I think that's mostly true. I think he was a not necessarily a foil for Pete, but but he was kind of the cycle of Pete that because we saw a lot of cycles repeating last season, and he felt very much like a Pete on his way up. I feel like that was part of the the cycle that we were seeing of Pete, um, and he was there to drive a lot of action with Pete. And do do we need to see him again? I don't feel like we do. I mean, he, we know what he's doing. He's off in Detroit, being Ken stand-in, getting shot in the face. Yeah, <laughs> probably crashing cars, uh, getting guns fired off near his ears. Uh, all right, I have a. I have something else for him to do, but there's some okay. reader reader mail on this, so I'll just kind of. Put a pin on that. Mm, all right. Christine W., uh, she wants some love, quote-unquote, shown to Betty. I feel she reflects a lot of mums from the 50s and 60s. Children were seen and not heard a lot of the time. Obviously, these days it's very different. What do you think about Betty? Oh, we, when, I, when she says, quote-unquote, love, I'm not saying that we need to give her props as a human being. Just like, you or know, as this, a parent. Is, this is the wrong podcast to come through for the worship of Don Draper. Mm-hmm. Um. We Betty's a terrible person. Horrible. Worst mother on the show, easily. But she's got a lot of reasons, and I think that she's kind of, I I think she's kind of interesting, and I think that January Jones was born to play her. Yeah, yeah. I will not argue with January Jones uh performance in this series. I think that January Jones is is not a great actress, but <laughs> Matthew Weiner God damn it, Matthew Weiner. <laughs> Maddie Weiner. Maddie Weiner is smart enough to use the the play that to to put her right in the spot that she needs to be to succeed. And you know, early in the season, she was a foil for Don, and we kind of hated her. Oh yeah. Later, she's gotten a lot more depth, and she was humanized by her struggles with her weight and her growing older and her self image and her relationship with the daughter. And mm-hmm. now, I just think she's in a very interesting place with Henry. She is, and I mean. Especially the stuff at uh, where was it? Um, Sally's camp, mm. where where her and Don hooked up again, um, and the kind of realizations that she had there, I felt were surprisingly mature for Betty. Yeah, because Betty has been an enormously immature character yes. throughout this entire series. Some would say that Don had a big 
part of uh, arresting her development. Oh yeah, yeah. I would I'm be in that some. <laughs> I would yeah. be in that group. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I still despise Betty for all the stuff she's done to her kids. Yeah. Like through that lens, I cannot forgive her sins, and I realize that that rhymed. <laughs> yeah, you've got act, you've got her active abuse versus Don's passive neglect. And like you know, which, yeah. So and the combination of those two is just has terrible. turned Sally into what she is now, which uh, is not good. Actually, surprisingly well adjusted for all that. It, you might be right because yeah. you know, think about it. When we first started covering the show, and this will now be the longest we've ever covered a show, uh huh. Uh, just by virtue of it staying on in comparison to Breaking Bad. Um, when we first started, people were speculating awful things for Sally. Oh yeah. I think you can take the worst of those off the table. I don't mm-hmm. see her, you know, us ending the season with her getting into heavy drugs and promiscuity. I mean, I could be wrong. This could be the year that Matthew Yeah, Weiner... Woodstock is coming up, so. Yeah, but <laughs> it just it feels like that she is a lot more adjusted than you would suspect giving her upbringing. That's fair. Um, let's move on to Josh. Josh P. Josh Perigo. I think we can say his last name. He's the, the personal arrogance boys aren't shy about it. Uh, are we going to find out who the real Don Draper slash Dick Whitman is? Is he the guy who gives the Hershey's pitch, or is he the guy who turns around and is embarrassingly honest with them? When hmm. all said and done, will he find out what? Will we find out what makes him tick? That's a good question, especially considering the finale of last season, where some of those balls started to come down, uh, especially when you know he showed his kids his old house uh, where he grew up. I think. I, I hope that we see a lot more of that this season. And if anything could bring me around to a peaceful ending for Don, I think it's the destruction of Don and more of the display of Dick Whitman. Mm. Um, what yeah. do you think? I, I'm, I'm, I feel pretty much the same way. I think that if he is going to be at peace, he's going to have to have that moment where Superman fights in the garbage compactor and <laughs> melds the two facets uh-huh. of his personality. Okay. So he's going to have to integrate a dick. And I don't know what that means. Does that mean coming clean? Does that mean doing paperwork? Does that mean just coming out to the people close to him now that he's not in a position where he feels like it's a threat? I, I don't know, but I do feel, feel like they have to have that moment where evil, evil Don and good Dick, uh, <laughs> Don't laugh, you immature bastard. Evil Don and Good Dick <laughs> fight and and have to somehow merge uh, and 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 to, for him to have peace. Yeah. Uh Shield JD says I want to see Draper get his swagger back in the boardroom or are the changing times going to be something he can't adapt to? Hmm. If you've seen the promotional trailer that has the silhouette of Don Draper against all the changing psychedelic, I mean cuz Don wardrobe and haircut you could set your watch to you could oh yeah they're timeless um in fact he could show up like that in a manhattan party right now and be very dapper sure uh but that's not where we're headed Mm -hmm. uh and that trailer i thought you know people have they started making that like you know when he goes and there's young people and they identify him as square and that's like that's weird someone's calling don draper you know I feel like we're going to get more and more of that. And, yeah. But on the other hand, I think 
the Wiener's opinion, if you read the interviews and the way he structured it, is that he's trying to position – like Don is ahead of his time. He's too far out there from a creative space. He's doing hmm. things in commercials that we won't see as widely adopted for another decade or more, and he used like the Chevy Vega campaign and some other things. Uh, huh. What? So, so synthesize that. What do you What do you think? Uh, do you think that we're ever going to see him be the ace ad man that we've seen him in the first three to four seasons? I want to say no. I think this season is going to be more about him dissecting himself more than dissecting other people. Mm-hmm. I think that's been always his trouble is he, he can't really see himself mixed in with all of, all of the rest of the world. He sees those other people and he knows how to please them. But how does he please himself? And I, I, I hope that this final season will be more about Don pleasing Don um, or, or understanding. No, no, no. <laughs> With some of that that good dick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Understanding what makes him himself tick as opposed to just making (laughs) these other people happy through ads. Okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's always been what he's done. And I think that, that preview that you were talking about. The David Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. Man who sold the world. Uh, It's a great song and it's super applicable to Don at this point. Um, but but I was going to go with the the imagery in it. We know that the first one, uh, episode one and two of last season, were called the doorway part mm-hmm. one and two, mm-hmm. and he opens that that thing starts with a doorway opening, mm-hmm. um, and and the world, this psychedelic '60s world, kind of spills out of it and then immerses Don right, and I feel like that's maybe. I don't know. It seems to me like that's counterintuitive given what Matthew Weiner has said, which he may be just trying to throw us off his trail. He's not above that. He's not above that lying directly to us. Nope. Uh, that trailer feels very much like Don is going to become a part of this world. So maybe he become less of an ad man, give in to the times a little bit and loosen up. Yeah. Uh, take some more of that. What did he, what did he have? Peyote? Oh, hash. Yeah. <laughs> Almost killed him. <laughs> Uh, Moji F says, where do you see Roger ending up? <laughs> the grave. Dead, dead in the ditch? Pretty, really? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, Roger. The grave. Wow. He's old, A. He's had heart problems, we know. Uh, he still drinks very heavily. He smokes very heavily. Might that be one of the things that finally gets Don and Dick to merge and become at peace? Uh, because, you know, he's... Roger is, you know, we, we've often said that Roger is like Don in 20 years and Pete is like Don 20 years ago. Yeah. Less abrasive, much better looking, less <laughs> liable to hang out in a pit. Uh, less likely to rape. Yeah, less likely to to, to force himself on women. Yeah. Uh, however, I think Don's aware of that too. And seeing him die from his excess, hmm. alone, alone creatively unfulfilled with a young wife who despises whose divorce despises him with with children that use him as an atm and he's right on that trajectory man oh yeah he's the only difference between him and rogers he's more of a self-made man literally he's carved don draper out of whole cloth yeah i could see rogers death being a watershed moment in the show for sure i would not argue with that but we will miss him Oh, desperately. I mean, he's been 
some of the best comic relief. He's 90% what's funny about the show, the other 10% being Pete falling downstairs. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's go on to Josh D. He said, I'm not sure how it fit into context, but I feel like John Hamm's appearance in this video should be a topic of discussion. This what is, is this just video? a mention. Someone found a clip of him on a game show called The Big Date. Oh, yeah. It's twenty five yeah. year old John Hamm. With a nineties haircut. Whatever. Yeah. It it uh check it out. I'll throw it in the show notes for people. Uh it is it is entertaining for what it is. I but. had a nineties haircut in the nineties. <laughs> Did you? Sure. I had the same haircut from the day I was born until I started losing <laughs> my hair and I buzzed it all off. So all right. I, I I never went. I never. You, when did you? What, Pete, you had frosted tips. That's I, right. At, at one point, yeah. But I also had the the wave in the front, which was ah, just yes. big and long, and yeah. Yeah, tip frosting bastard. <laughs> uh, Christine W. Wonder if Don and Peggy will be together at the end. Mm, yeah, that's what I'm talking Don about. Don and Peggy, get at. Okay, Ship I'll let you shit. run with it. You love this one. I think it makes perfect sense. No. They're the same person. Only she's got ovaries and he's got testicles. They've so both, they should just mash them together? They've both got a deep, dark secret that they're in complete denial about. They're the only people that know what that feels like. They're the only people that are driven by their career at all else. Um, And I just – I don't know, man. I feel like – I feel like they are kind of designed for one another. I don't know that I – even want to argue with that statement because I sort of agree, but we've seen time and time again why they are not compatible in a relationship, right? Who are they compatible with? I don't know that Don is compatible with anybody in a relationship, and they may be so similar in that regard that neither of them are. What if they're in because they, they, you know, one of the things the wiener loves to do is show one thing in one context as set up for later seasons. What if the open relationship that was, uh, uh, oh yeah, with Megan by the director, mm-hmm. producer, and his wife of the soap opera that mm-hmm. Megan starred in? I can't, don't remember his name. Sure, um, the guy from Married with Children, who's the death knell of every series. Uh, not Ed O'Neill. No, who, it wasn't Ed O'Neill. Is that guy is the replacement neighbor that replaced. Marty. Oh, that was him. Yeah, Ted. Is it Ted Baxter? Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. What if uh, What if Don realized what he really needs to do is be and and Peggy too because she's got kind of different needs. They just both like you know what we'll we'll be there for each other in hmm. certain capacities and maybe even a sexual capacity. But we all both know that your appetite is too big for one person and it's the it's the swinging seventies. So maybe Austin maybe that's it up, man. Part of the immersion of this world in that that preview. Uh, I mean, they just go full swinger mode. Yeah, I I can see that. All right, sure. I'll Put get, on the board. I'll get that. Prediction. Um, <laughs> Thomas V S says, "How does the show end ideally for you guys?" Oh God, that's, that's a big a question. Open, loaded gun of a question. If you had your choice, would Don receive any sort of redemption? Did he need to pay for his years of misgivings, a la Walter White? Also, is Mad Men secretly a Pete Campbell redemption story? Please say yes. Is what a Pete Campbell redemption Mad story? Mad Men, secretly. Pete Redemption. Oh, God, no. No! That can't happen. But it's, the, it's, the, it's the redemption of Don Draper and the fall of Pete Campbell. I hope so. I fall right into a pit. Utter destruction. Fall off a boat. <laughs> Be thrown off a boat. Defeated like his hairline retreats. <laughs> Shot with his own gun. 
This show is literally his Waterloo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to see any the happy Pete endings. Pete is his Island of Elba or whatever. I mean, we kind of already talked about this where, where I wanted to see – like I don't think there is a peaceful ending for Don. Um, so that kind of implies that he has to pay for some of his sins. I think Trudy's going to get remarried and it's just going to fuck him up. Pete? Yeah. It could. It definitely could. I mean, he seemed to have a thing for her even though he cheated on her. Well, of course he does. My God. Trudy's fucking amazing. No, she's great. I'm just saying Pete cheated on her. Yeah, but the guys do that shit all the time. You yeah. never know what you got until you lose it. I guess so. And then you get it back know. and lose it again. I mean, that's Don Draper. I mean, that's what they do, man. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the cycle for these guys, I guess. It's more about a possession thing with him. Hmm. It's got to be the king. Yeah, I mean, okay, Don, I, I suppose I wouldn't be angry if he had a peaceful ending. But Pete, Pete has got to go down, and Pete's got to go down hard. Yeah, Pete is. I mean, his purpose is the pratfall and to <laughs> fail so that others can succeed heroically. That's his lot in life. He also does have his moments of glory. Of course, he does. That makes his falls that much sweeter. <laughs> you if, can't fall if, if you're he, if, if you're never, not up on a stool, if right? If he never won, it wouldn't be so satisfying when Lane Price kicks his ass <laughs> in a boardroom. <laughs> Very true. You know, you might start feeling sorry for him if he was utterly pathetic. Yeah, yeah. But he's that. got to succeed so he can start to get uppity and be a dick again. Yeah. So you can enjoy seeing him smack down. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just bullying. Sure. Okay. All right. Um. So that's that's we're we're pissed off a lot of people because there's surprisingly a, a lot of people carrying water for Pete Campbell and, and Man, shame on all you people. You know, they did they did a lot to try to make it more sympathetic in the last season. But, like, you know, with his mother's death and uh, – Although he – him and his brother had no problem with their death, really. That's true. They're, this they're was squ- a relief. squabbling both... over money and yes. who's going to pay for the funeral costs. Yes. They're <laughs> terrible people. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Um, Nikki PB says, can Sally be saved or is she destined to follow in the steps of her cold bitch of a mother? Is Don finally going to step up and be the decent parent he never had? Will there be mm. a happy ending for the Draper children? We kind of, I think that we covered that sufficiently. We did. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I think we covered it all. Uh, D says, why doesn't anyone love Pete? He's the best character. Oh, God. He's a great character, but yeah. I can't love Pete. No. no. No more than I can love the mildew ring on a toilet. <laughs> no more than Trudy loves Pete. The, f- the thing is, is like, I like engaging hyperbole with B because I don't hate him that much, honestly. Uh, I have yeah. affection for his character, but it's the type of affection that loves to see him get punched in the nose by, you know, a foppish Brit guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's it's done great. such he's done such horrible things to all all of the cast uh, that I like to see him. I feel I like him in exactly the same way I like Joffrey Baratheon. Okay. Which is really bad which really is overstating how bad of a man pete is sure yeah but then again pete's not living in westeros so oh yeah imagine him oh um, yeah in medieval times yeah you put you put him in joffrey's position and talking about a monster holy yeah. god um moving on to josh p double dipping if roger survives the season which According to Jim Jones, Word of Jim says he will not. A big if, yeah. I bet he winds back up with his first wife. They seem friendly, and I think he's realizing he isn't 27 anymore and can appreciate the companionship. Hmm. What do you think about that take? 
interesting. What is his wife's his first wife's name? Mona, I believe. Mona. Okay. Um Yeah, their their interactions at Roger's mother's funeral were interesting to me when they were kind of in that bedroom and uh with the, the coats and he was talking about when's the last time remember the last time they, this bed was covered in furs she like rejects his advances that's her problem with roger has always been his philandering right i mean it wasn't necessarily that she didn't love him as a person it's just the the actions that he took he's a profoundly selfish immature person yeah yeah, but but she, there was also something there that she loved about him, mm-hmm. and you can tell even in their interactions today. Roger's super lovable. The the problem is I don't think Roger actually changed much last season. I think he had his LSD experience. He temporarily changed. Yeah, um, but you get but, old- but like those doorways that he talks about in the very the opening episodes, they they close behind him, but at the the other doorways always have the same things behind them as well. But like, it's all just windows and doors. Eventually, and... that stops, right? I mean, your Roger is what fifty your, something your, your years dick old. Dick stops working. It's like Socrates said. You know, you overthrow the mad master that lives in your yeah. pants, and yeah. you can start to see. Like, did he say lives in your pants? <laughs> no, he, he did. did not. He yeah. called it the mad the mad master. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. And he could like you know see life clearly for the first time. Gotcha. And it's kind of like. You know, how late in life and the Godfather, Michael Corleone reconciles with his wife to some level. Yeah. I could see that. I could see Roger going, going to that. Maybe you're right. Maybe there's he's an arc where he's. Calms the fuck down and, and can, you know. Yeah. It's it's sad he's... that it takes that for a man to reevaluate his life and realize what's important. But some Roger seems to be the type of guy where that could happen. Yeah, you might be right about that. I would be okay with that anyway. You know, like getting your grandson who's named Ellery, that's a blow all to itself. Uh-huh. But hand you a picture that he drew of you, and it's a picture of you with money bags. Yeah. And that's your only, that's what's your, that's what you're known to your four or five year old grandson. That's gotta be a wake up call. You would think so. Yeah. Uh, Paula P says, Will Peggy come full circle and end up with Pete? Oh, Holy Christ. No. She then compares that to her relationship with Stan. Um, I would much rather see her with Stan than Pete. The thing is, is her and Pete, they did have that really great moment at the diner. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not even sure what campaign that was for. Was that for Virginia? Where the hell were they? Was that in, up in Detroit? It what doesn't is, really matter. Which, oh, oh, when Ted was there, too. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And he had gone off to the bathroom or something. They've always had a certain weird chemistry. You're right. Even after the really weird rapey stuff, uh, although people and I don't, I don't even know what to think about that anymore. Um, a lot of people say that that is one thing that we're, you know, this, that isn't the O pair. That that was a a a consensual relationship she had with Pete. And from statements she later makes, I don't think she views him as taking advantage of her. So, huh? Okay. Um. Yeah, you're you're right. There's some kind of connection between them beyond just their professional relationship. But I don't want to see her with Pete. Pete is such a disgusting, grimy person. Grimy, grimy little, little Pete. Yeah, I would say he's a GLP. Yeah. Uh, I God no, I just I can't conceive of it that Peggy 
after being with a guy who seems as good as Abraham um, for her. I mean, she had a lot of good times with Abraham, you know? I mean, they argued a lot, but they, they at some point realized that that kind of made them stronger in a way. Yeah, when I think that he realized that when she stabbed him in the guts that it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, and I mean, that was kind of an accident. It was... It was a weird way to end that relationship. <laughs> but it's one of those things where you have a moment of clarity, right? Sure. Like, yeah. I've been putting up with a lot of bullshit, and you've been putting up with a lot of bullshit. Why are we doing this? Yeah, but there were some moments where they were also very good oh, together. certainly. Yeah, so you, know, could, yeah. you can take that and you can translate it to That's moments nice. where grimy little Pete is grimy little Pete. Okay. But then every once in a while, they have a laugh at a diner. I don't think that Fair translates point. into long-term happiness, you know? Uh, what do you think about our next point? Jessica Paris, good bad actress or bad actress? I don't mind the idea of Megan, a uh, younger, hipper later for Don, but I just don't like the actress. I find her mannered and boring. Mannered and boring. I feel like that's kind of her character, but I don't know what the actress is like outside of this character. I feel like my thesis is that she's a good actress playing a bad actress. Yeah. Playing a housewife. Okay. And, I mean, I don't know. She is, like, surface of the sun level hot, and I never (laughs) trust my own opinions on things when I'm dealing with that kind of heat. Okay. So I could be, because she says... Well, I can tell you for a fact, Megan Fox is not a good actress, but she's hot. Yeah. (laughs) So... I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm weirdly immune to her charms. Oh, okay. Um, But, yeah, so I, I think she's pretty good. Like... I think I've seen her do things that say, you know, I think she could do she could do Betty Draper, um, but I don't think that uh, January Jones could do Megan. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and you also have to say you have to look at who she's stacked up against in these scenes. I mean, when you're talking about someone Fucking like John Hamm, yeah. John Hamm, Vincent Carthizer, uh Elizabeth, and the thing, yeah, is she as good Elizabeth actress Moss. as Elizabeth Moss? Hell no, no, not not even close. Hell no. Um, does do you think that helps her being placed in scenes with all these really good actors, or does that does that serve to magnify yeah, the flaws in her performance? Does, it probably does the latter. Although I think okay. saying that they're flawed is really overstating the point. Yes, yeah. I mean this this series is full of excellent performances, and I think she's one of them. Uh, not to the degree that Peggy and Don are performed. Right. And again, I think we're kind of, I was not for her and Don together ever. I see why it happened, but I thought it was a disaster moving in slow motion from the jump. Yeah. I remember that. And so I think maybe some of this is by design. And again, I think the wiener does a very good job of knowing what instruments he has to work with and how to play them. So if I had seen more of her stuff, I might be able to tell you. Let's talk about the next. Tony LC says, my main question is this. Whose story is this? Is this a story of Don's fall? Uh, which he says, been there, done that with the suitcase, or the beginning of a new mad men, mad woe man with Peggy and Joan. And also, don't forget about Dawn as well. <laughs> so whose story is this? Is this the fall of Don Draper, the rise of women? Bob Benson. Bob Benson. It's Bob, Bob Benson's story. story, yeah. Overall, I mean, they just took a while to get to him. Uh, no, this is Don Draper's story, uh, without a doubt. It's to a lesser degree, and I think more so than Peggy or Pete, I think it's a, a story of his children. Uh, or a Peggy or Joan, sorry. Um, 
I I think it revolves all around Draper and his kids. You know, I was listening to a lot of our back catalog to prepare for this cast because it's actually easier for me going about my day to listen to you know, our season six coverage than to come do a complete rewatch, rewatch, rewatch of season six. Yep. And one one person had a piece of feedback that stuck out to me about how you know Matt. Matthew Weiner doesn't do the world's greatest job when he touches on matter of race and gender, although he does a better job in the gender because he's a man writing from a man's perspective. And what he writes is career frustration, career frustration, mother issues, marital problems. So again, that to me, I think that's an accurate analysis and it is, indicative that this is indeed Don Draper's story. That's how where yeah. we started. That's who's been the primary focus. I don't see a shift to be the suddenly about the women, although they're fantastic sure. pieces of it. Um and I don't see it being um you know anything more than what you know what what it is and what it tells us about men uh today and society today when we view it through the lens of Don Draper living in the 60s. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, John S. says, Don is a very wealthy man, perhaps with enough money in the bank to retire or at least scale way back. Why doesn't he just do that? I've never gotten the idea that he's a workaholic, and while his status comes from his job, you never get the idea that he loves it. I've got a theory on this, but I'll let you go first if you'd like to. Sure. Uh, I don't know that he won't scale back in this final season. I think if, if we're going to see any kind of redemption for Donna has to start with his kids and that requires him to step back a little bit from his career. Mm-hmm. So that, that's really all I have to say about it, I guess. Um, I feel like him saying, why well, his status comes from his job. You never get the idea. He loves it. I don't know that he loves it either. In fact, I think he got, he has this love hate relationship. He kind of despises and has contempt for the people that he's selling, but he has a very good understanding of the human spirit yeah. and how to manipulate that. But Don Draper, I think, is very tied up with the status. He loathes himself so much and is so self-destructive that losing this one thing where he just owns and everyone tells him how and, and lets him heap abuse and scorn and have people come back for more, I think that's a lot of his self-identity wrapped up in that. Sure. I think you're right. So that's why, yeah, he's not a workaholic. If anything, he's lazy, um, which I can certainly identify with. But I, I do think he has to do this. This is what makes – this is what lets him get through the day. This is another thing that he's kind of addicted to. Hmm, yeah. Maybe he'll just take up swimming again <laughs> and just quit his job. Uh, Cheryl P.U. says, please revisit the repetitive scenes with Megan and the Sirens. That's something we talked about the last two seasons where – and many times when Megan was shown in the apartment, there was sirens in the background. Um, and she was also wearing <laughs> a bunch of uh, uh, Sharon Tate stuff, which people thought, oh, this is going to be her being massacred. Sure. Um, Cheryl continues, I think it's a device to show if her life is becoming unimportant to Don rather than foreshadowing something sinister. And in hindsight, it's hard to argue with you, Cheryl. Yeah. I mean, he certainly, she has taken a back seat in Don's life. These were warning signs for her that Don has lost interest to her and kind of showed her growing alarm at that fact. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I can't think of specifically of any scenes where the sirens were present. 
But I'll go with that. Sure. Uh, Justin C. says, will Don fake his death in a boating mishap and get a job as a lumberjack? Uh, which is just an obvious jab at... Uh, you're going to spoil a series here? Is that what you're going to do? Can I spoil Dexter? Is that <laughs> well, possible? you just did. I so. think Dexter spoiled Dexter. <laughs> it did. After, after John Lithgow left the set, they decided we don't need to do this very well anymore. Will we ever see Sal or Trudy again? Sal. I don't think we'll ever see Sal again. He's has not been a part of the show for a very long time. Speaking of Godfather, man, that's a re- really Godfather in life. Oh, Sal. Oh, no. We won't see Sal no more. <laughs> He's out with the canolas. Canolas uh, or whatever. No, I think once Pete moves to California, Trudy's out of the equation too, right? I mean, he's got a kid with her, so maybe not completely. Yeah, we might see her but, cameo, but I don't yeah. see as a main. And it's a, I love Trudy. Um, sure. And I think I could see her coming back for two, three episodes in this last 14 stretch. You only love, only love Trudy because she told off Pete. <laughs> I in like dramatic for, faction. No, man. Every time we see, like, I thought Trudy was kind of overbearing and whatnot in the first couple seasons mm-hmm. and kind of obnoxiously clueless, but she really came onto her own. Yeah. I mean, Pete didn't, I, I, plus it doesn't help the fact that she's played by Allison Brie. So, hmm. okay. Um, I've never seen her other work either. No, you've watched Community. Some of it. Oh, really? I thought you yeah. saw the first three seasons. Mm, I don't think so. Okay, well, I mean, that's her first other season. Work, yeah, so. I guess. I guess I have seen some of her then. Yeah. Um, moving on to just or Ben R. It's interesting to note that there's never been a full Megan storyline that we see from her POV. Was this a conscious choice by the Wiener to keep her as a symbolic second wife and not a fully formed character? Hmm. Super interesting. Yeah, yeah. I because never even, thought about it. Even Betty got to shoot pigeons. Yeah, and and suggest some creepy child rape to Francis in bed. <laughs> yeah, we've seen a lot of stuff POV from her. We have, but not Megan. And Sally and Pete, but not ever from Megan. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that says something about the importance of her character and maybe we won't be seeing a lot of her in the I final mean, season. We did get to see some stuff with her and her mom. I mean, maybe we did see some C-plots with her and her and her actress friends and... Um, yeah, a couple. How she like she straight up fucked over her friend to get the Snow White gig. That's true. And then like practicing in the kitchen or in the living room. But and... it's a fair point to say she's not nearly as fleshed out as Betty oh, or yeah. any of the other main characters. Easily. Maybe that is a conscious choice. that He didn't want us thinking overly much about it and just keep the focus on Don. It could be, yeah. Uh, last, uh, Jason from the Nattercast said, putting in a strong vote for more discussion of filmmaking as per the last few episodes of Walking Dead, Mad Men has some of the best and most consistent high quality directing and cinematography <laughs> on TV. Yep. Yes, it does. And I'm not, I don't have any training in this stuff. It's stuff that I've started. The more you notice, the more you read criticism, the more you kind of pay attention to, Oh, that's why. Like yeah, you think same that's here. good. That affected me. Then you start seeing the mechanics of how they do that. It's kind of like when you start playing music, you start realizing how you know chords are constructed and riffs are constructed and what minor chords do, major chords. Yeah. And Jason's helped me out a lot. Um, 
I think they did do a great job at the Nattercast, Tim and Sion pointing that stuff out. And he's actually pointed me recently in the direction of some other stuff I can read to make me better at that. Yeah. So we're going to start up the bald move library here. Yeah. Get, get a couple of uh, books on cinematography and filmmaking and get a little bit more serious about it. Um, but by all means, Jason, uh, feel free to point that stuff out and, uh, always love your feedback. Um, and I would like to get more into that. I hope I don't become a film snob. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, because I'm... I, I still want to focus mainly on the plot and the characters. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to point out, and especially with the show, like you said, that is consistently good at it. And we do point it out sometimes. I mean, I watched The Doorway Parts 1 and 2 on the plane ride the other day. And uh, I specifically remember them in the hotel room being a shot that we pointed out and said, Wow, look at how the shot is constructed. This wide angle with both of them in there and this ba- this window in the background with this light just... That being the only light in the scene, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was just beautifully filmed, and their lighting has been consistently good. I yeah. remember Don writing that letter in his hotel room, and just the darkness all around him, just illuminated by this desk lamp. The Godfather in completely, and it just it they they do it every episode. And when you're comparing stuff to The Godfather and Francis Ford Coppola, yeah. that's pretty high praise. Did I pronounce that right, Coppola? Yeah, okay, Coppola, 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 <laughs> no, okay. Coplandia. Um, last one, Sharon, well, not last feedback, but last from Facebook roundup. Sharon B says, I've considered the episodes where they try to cover the bi-coastal storyline, some of the weakest in the series. What do you guys think about how they'll handle logistics and unifying the stories? Hmm. So I which don't know if I would agree with that. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Which particularly weak episodes do you I think she's referring stuff, to? Uh, I guess in season two where he went, went out a lot and we met his quote-unquote ex-wife his first wife don draper's original wife yeah but i don't know season two by far is i think the weakest season but i don't know that those (laughs) that was the reason for it um and then i guess the times when they went out to Mm. check on not the tropicana but oh shit what's the other juice the 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 california one sunny Uh, d ocean spray ocean spray was that it maybe we've named all the juice sun kissed there you go. We named all the juice companies as one of those four. <laughs> okay. Um, Kool Aid. Uh, I I think I, Capri Sun. I, Capri Sun. <laughs> there you go. Uh, owned by uh, Kool Aid. Uh, I don't know. I is it a challenge for them to try to focus both on New York and California? I think we're going to focus a lot less on New York this time because everybody important is going to be out California way, uh, partially including Don. Roger is really the only one who isn't. So I think we'll see a lot of Roger. I don't think we'll see a lot of SC&P in New York. All right. That's my opinion. Um, so I'm hoping they won't have to deal with that problem very often. By the way, uncharacteristically, mm. there's a, quite a few spoilers floating around about this season. Okay. Not huge. This is Matthew Weiner, of course. Um, but a lot of details around the first two episodes – and a lot of photos have leaked out. Hmm. Jim and I have stayed away from all that because we decided what we want to do is record this first half, and we're going to sit and like we're going to binge on spoilers for a while, and then come back and record the second half and see how that all goes. So uh, I just want you to let you know all the speculation has been not informed by anything except for the official trailers and stuff that's been released uh, in that in conjunction, some interviews and stuff, but none of the, the leaked stuff. Let's move on to a couple long-form things. Tyler W. says, I've had a theory since around season three or four that the show would end with the U.S. moon landing, and that would somehow tie in with an overarching theme about how the world has changed, yet Don is still the same. 
uh, in drinking and womanizing. I want to hear your thoughts on how you guys think the moon landing might be handled by the show and how it will factor into the story literally or allegorically. Hmm. The moon landing is very cool because it seems so unbelievable. Like, hmm. I grew up in that era at the tail end. Like, they were still selling Apollo uh, and Saturn rockets and, you know, space was still huge. And I think if you weren't alive for the 70s and 80s, you can't appreciate how big space was. It's kind of like an afterthought now, sadly. But, like, I just told my son recently, we were watching Cosmos, and they showed a picture of the guys running around the moon, and we talked about that. And he, it's unbelievable. Like, look at that thing up in the sky. We fucking landed on it, and we drove cars around. Yep. And we came back. We brought pieces of it with us. It's so... Yeah. And we did it in 69, and we're sitting on our fat asses doing nothing now. Yep. I digress. Um... I don't know how you pull that into an overarching theme, and I don't think that there's a chance in hell that we're going to end with the moon landing um, just because of the timing and logistics. Mm-hmm. But it is it is a breathtaking you know, like milestone of human advancement versus Don's lack thereof. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I, I don't know that I have much to add to that, honestly. Okay, there you go. I mean, I don't know. I any any kind of speculation I give on how the moon landing is going to fit in the next season seems com- completely out of place because I could not have predicted anything that happened last season. Like, what am I? I'm just going to completely guess. Yes. I think Don is going to be drinking whiskey. He's going to see the moon landing. He's going to call up Roger, and Roger's going to die on the phone. He, Roger's so super shocked by it, he dies on the phone. That's what I think. I, that's just as likely to happen as any informed speculation I might give you. Bobby Draper's so, going to sign up for the space program. Pete's going to go to the moon, and he's going to build a peat pit on it. That's <laughs> what I'm thinking. Just carve his face on it. God. He's going to project his face like Pepsi did. Mm. <laughs> uh, way to keep the urban legends live, Jim. I appreciate that. <laughs> Ben R. says, uh, new creative director at SCP. Pete and Ted are both headed to California, and Duck brought in Lou Avery from Dancer Fitzgerald, presumably to replace him. However, we don't know what Lou Avery's title was at Dancer, and he was meeting, or what he was meeting about with SC&P. Peggy might indeed be the new creative director for SC&P. That's a good point, because Duck was working the Pete angle, which is an account manager level. Wait, wait, wait. I'm completely wrong about Peggy going to California, aren't I? Yeah, no, she's staying in New York. She's staying in New York. Ted's going to California. But he's still her supervisor. Yeah, which, was, remotely, which we talked about how crazy a, that is. What a terrible idea that is. Uh, okay, that really changes comments. I said it earlier, and I apologize because people were probably screaming at their at their microphones or at their I don't, speakers. I didn't even realize that you were wrong. So Okay. But I only listened to the, like every our audience, third word you said. So. Yeah, our audience will. <laughs> they will realize it. <laughs> Where are you going? You're looking at me I, like I'm ready to I, say I, something. I thought you were going to say – that was just you saying what a dumbass you were. That's no insight. We knew that. <laughs> What's Where's the news, man? You'll have to read me the question again. Sorry. Who's going to be the uh, – is Peggy going to retain the creative director at SC&P? If not oh, – over Lou. If not, she's going to go postal. Full postal. Yeah. Pete's air rifle to everyone's head. We're going to have a, a new agency. Uh, what is what is Peggy's last name in the show? Olson. Peggy Olson. We're gonna have the Olson agency. It's called P.O.D. Uh, <laughs> agency. 
That's good. Yeah. I like uh, it. All right. Uh, the current chain of command at SCP with Pete, Ted, and here in California, we're left with Cutler, Cooper, Roger, and Joan in charge. If Lou Avery does become creative director and is not, in fact, an accounts guy, who becomes head of accounts in New York City? Bob Benson, Ken Cosgrove, <laughs> or Joan Not Harris? Bob. We know Bob's off to Detroit. Ken, right? I mean, as much as we yeah. love to see Joan running it, it's not going to happen. No. It's not going to happen in 69. Especially the way that they treated her exactly. in the last season. Uh, Ken. Ken is the best choice, yeah. Yep. Ken or... Old um, Pirate Ken. What about Stan? You think Stan has enough respect in that organization? He's nah. more, he's just creative though. He's not. Yeah. He's not an accounts manager kind of guy. He'd have to shave his beard. He ain't gonna do that. Yeah. Stop yeah. Smoking weed. Well, what about Ginsburg? Huh? What about Ginsburg? He's the only guy who's a straight edge there. Not not smoking pot all day. Speaking of postal, <laughs> this might be the year he just comes completely unglued. Could be. He's gonna get taken up to the moon by aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's going to try to sneak on board a Saturn rocket to go home. (laughs) Probably. Uh, We know Henry's running for office, but are there any potential outcomes for the situation? Henry's been an advisor up to this point, but not a politician in his own right. Becoming a politician causes moral compass to be compromised. Will he be drawn into the fray Mm. of the Stonewall riots? It's moral compass compromised. Yeah, it's a classic Carsetti dilemma. You know, you run for mayor and all of a sudden you start fucking rods on the side and it's a problem. Huh. Him cheating on Betty, is that interesting? Uh, man, that's such a bad outcome for Betty because she had Don before this. And that seems like it's a rehash of what Don did to her. Yeah, but this, this, this show goes in circles like that all the time. It does, but I feel like they did that for a reason last season. And now they need to move beyond that. Uh, we're, we're approaching the final few episodes we we need some actual resolutions not she just cheated on him with don of all fucking people i could see that her being repaid in her own kind and getting some kind of epiphany from that maybe yeah. they'll maybe they'll swing maybe it's just going to be huh. this one giant ball of writhing fucking bodies there's going to be oh francis it's, and it's betty gonna, and it's going to be don and peggy and francis <laughs> and betty and pete Ginsburg and... will be in there somewhere <laughs> And Megan and Pete. Joan's going to tag in at some point. All right, it's let's just, just going to be an orgy. A cast orgy at the an very... SCPDP. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Christ. Wow. How uh, We've been recording for a while, and I've we been drinking been. a while, I can tell. Uh, let's talk about this. Sober up a bit. Let's talk about the Stonewall riots, because this is a big deal. Ben R's bringing it. Uh, we talked about this. This is, this is largely considered the birthplace of the lay, uh, lay and lesbian, the gay and lesbian rights. It's where New York City tried to crack down on this uh, gay nightclub, and it started a shitstorm. I have take it to the streets. never even heard of this. I'm we completely out of the loop. We talked about it last season. We did? We did. We most uh. certainly did about Bob Benson might be in the face of it. <laughs> and that's where but I want to say that it's the We Can See Sal. We could see Sal show up Coming back, rides. okay, we yeah. We could see uh, – it'd be really cool to keep Bob Benson, you know, as a, as a still uh, semi-closeted gay man. Yeah, we never really found out anything about his sexuality. Bob? Did we? Was he actually after Joan? Ah, uh, it was. They no, had a very weird no, relationship. God, no, but yeah. he was certainly after Pete. Now, was that – Oh, Jesus, you're right. Was yeah, that because he uses that – to gain advancement in his job, 
So he's like bisexual. Is I don't he gay think for so. pay, I don't or think is he, in that era. I don't think so either. Especially it would ever help you in any situation. It did at his old job because he was uh, he got he basically slept with his old supervisors. What they kind of intimated at, huh? Um, yeah, I'm not remembering much of the of Bob's sexuality. No, no, from he last was totally season. at least by. I, I thought he was just gay because that's the people he hung out with, and okay. you know, all of his friends seemed to be. Oh, we only met one of them, and he made that blatant pass at Pete. Yeah, yeah. So I do remember that now. Um, huh, no, so I, you want Sal and Bob to be uh, the faces of the Stonewall? Thing. Either at least, and if they if he doesn't touch on this, I just can't. I just don't believe Weiner will do it, and I also think it's it's telling that he introduced a gay character. Uh, the year before that, all it goes down. Why else would you do that? Sure, good point. So maybe I mean, it we didn't will add see that. Didn't add that much to make a pat that for Pete. You know, it, it didn't add that much drama for Pete to be made a pass at. Yeah, and for Manolo, he didn't have to be gay to kill. Although we sure. Know, I mean, I'm assuming he did. Yeah, well, he Mama tossed overboard. his board. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, it wasn't, oh, yeah. A, it wasn't a rogue wave. <laughs> um, I don't know those crazy kids. I thought they had something. Hmm. Uh, so we talked about that. I'm also a fan of the prediction I've heard tossed around. Oh, we talked about Salvador coming back. Um, Peggy's sister still has her baby and will be about nine years old at this time. I wonder if he, she will resurface in the final season. It was in many ways Don's influence that led her to deny the existence of the child. Hmm. Quote unquote, this never happened. It will shock you how much it never happened. If not reconnecting with her estranged child, it'll be interesting to say the least when not being influenced by the needy emotional vampires like Don and Ted. I think you're way optimistic about her not escaping the orbit of these emotional vampires. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see that ever coming Especially back with, with Ted. Uh, you don't, I think the, her child. We've got, she's got to meet him before the end of the season the series. Okay, I mean, I. I guess. I don't know where Peggy's arc really goes from here. I don't either, I mean, which if, is exciting. Yeah, yeah. Like like the, the trailer for the season set, up in the air. Huh. Everything is up in the air. It could go any, any way. Sure. Matthew Weiner, we talked about him using all the ammo in his can. He did. So he's kind of got a somewhat blank slate to make speculating kind of fun. Yeah. Hazardous. And I mean, we could talk about the teaser trailers that came out. Uh, they have like five or six of those. Um, doesn't look like Roger has changed much. Roger's sitting in an airport, staring at uh, just asses that go by him, women's asses. So nothing, nothing, nothing changed. new with Roger. Uh, Don's getting off the plane, and it looks like he is in a very sunny location. He's looking around like this is new territory for him. Seems like maybe he's in California at that point. Um, Either that or he's getting off a plane in a suit with a briefcase, I think. Maybe he's heading back to New York to do his commute thing. It's the D.B. Cooper storyline that we broke, we broke first off of uh, last year. D.B. Cooper storyline. Yeah, there's a guy who wrote in. I need to – Oh, Jason, the, Jason, the plane. Jason yeah. Z from the Nattercast has been banging this about the guy who stole a bunch of money and then parachuted out Jumped the back up. of a 727. Yep. Uh, yeah, he's got his briefcase full of money. <laughs> I don't know about that. And he's going to jump. He's going to he's going to fly out. Uh, then there's one with Megan getting out of a cab. She's and she looks very happy. And she it seems like she is now in her her promised land. You, oh, uh, Megan looks. You really? Yeah. I don't think anyone in that trailer looked happy. Megan looked happy to me. She was smiling. She was. Was she really? 
I thought so. My mental image of her getting out was just <laughs> cool, neutral, aloof, like everyone else in the trailer. Pete was smiling. Well, Pete, yes. Pete's buying tickets, and he's smiling. Of course, Pete's fucking smiling. <laughs> he, it's a fucking fake smile. Though. He found out that prostitutes, uh, <laughs> contrary to Harry, uh, they actually do take travelers' checks in LA. <laughs> they do. Uh, Peggy's picking up her bags just off the floor and kind of walking away. Everyone yeah. looks like a million bucks in the show, though. They do. They do. And then we see Betty waiting for someone Looking or like something. A Maybe a taxi. Maybe Francis. Who knows? Uh, I don't know. Not much information to go on in those trailers, those teasers. But uh, Two more points. Is Pete going to California for good? Did he take his air rifle with him? <laughs> it's starting to look more like Matt Weiner is less concerned about tr- tying up loose ends than he is about trying to give us some further insight into each of the characters' respective emotional journeys, which I'm fine with. Uh-huh. Do we? I don't really care if Pete goes to California for good. Much less no. take his air rifle with him. No, honestly, I don't. I don't care much about Pete's ending. If his rifle never comes back around, it will be the first and only time Chekhov's gun is never fired. Maybe that's what he's going for. Hmm. I could see them doing that. Uh, death of an era. Hindsight has given us the ability to know where New York and thusly the life of Madison Avenue executives, along with it, are headed going into the seventies. Maybe all the death references in season six and also hmm. five. We're simply foreshadowing the death of their lifestyle, the death of New York as a world powerhouse. With the demise of the Chevy Vega, maybe the end of SCP as we know it. Maybe so. Yeah, uh, uh, but L.A. is kicking into high gear, so there, it may just be a transition for them. Jim, I have an executive decision I want to run past you. Okay. How about we not do a spoiler section? I'm fine with that. We've never done one in the past. I so. don't I, – as I've gone through this and we've talked about all the stuff from just speculating on things that we don't know, I, I'm, I'm not super interested about getting – you know, finding out whatever photos and synopsis for the first episode or two that is out there. It's, it's going to happen in three days, and yeah. I kind of just want to let it happen that way. Okay. I can get behind that. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. Like you yeah. said, three days and we'll know. Like I said, and and forgive us if if you don't like that call, but it's just like I said, executive decision. Uh, let us know how you want to handle us in the future. But um, I yeah, I don't want to break with tradition. Okay, I don't think it's hurt our. I, I think it's I, I don't think it's hurting our uh, ability to analyze a show by not you know get the crayon sketch of of the Mona Lisa before we see the real thing. No, and we won't have spoilers for the next few weeks or for the next. Unless Matthew Weiner has completely lost his iron grip on the production. Doesn't seem like it. No. So, okay, I'm with that. All right, cool. Well, if you would like to uh, scream at us for not considering the spoilers, you can do so at madmen at baldmove.com. Of course, you also can find us on facebook.com slash baldmove. And on Twitter at Bald Move, we won't be doing live. We'll be having open threads for discussion, but won't we won't be doing live threads this year because we'll be doing um, we're doing an instant cast for Game of Thrones, which means as soon as the show's over, we got to go and talk about it and release a podcast as soon as we can. Um, so that means uh, it's going to be a uh, rudderless ship as far as me and, and the Mad Men threads. I'm sad because. That I will miss doing the live threads for Mad Men. Yeah, I did, I don't think I ever started live tweeting stuff until this last season of Breaking Bad. So I don't think I ever did that. It was great. It's really really fun. You know, I 
Mad Men is probably one of my favorite shows to podcast because yeah. the I think it's the type of show you can really sink your teeth into, and we've got really smart people to contribute. That's true of all of our shows, but it just seems like there's a real critical mass of great art, great fellow fans, and stuff, serious stuff, funny stuff. It just feels like it's the most satisfying one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. And listening back to our Mad Men podcast from last season, uh, almost as a fan, since it's been so long right? since we've done them. We were both um, talking about this yesterday. I didn't remember much of the season, and I certainly didn't remember what we said about the season so that was that was absolutely necessary to go back. Um, I just I really enjoyed listening to the podcast. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm sucking my own dick here. But... I, right? Well, if it's nine <laughs> inches long and you got flexible vertebrae, Jim, get down to it. Okay. <laughs> well, I will I will refrain for now and just say that call, call you Jim Jeremy from now on. I, I enjoyed listening to those uh, more than I have enjoyed recording some recent podcasts, and this podcast was actually quite a bit of fun as well. So I find that when I listen to some of old podcasts, because I do this as kind of a ritual for every new season, I go back and listen to at least the reviews, and I'm super self-critical. Yeah, like, yeah. Jesus, I sound like a fucking idiot, or, God, I can't believe I did. But I was, I like you said, listening to these, I was like, wow, this is great. And the feedback we got was great. Uh, you know, I think it, a big part I'm of it is... I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think a big part of it is this show demands more attention. Than a show like The Walking Dead, which we just got off of covering. But even Breaking Bad is so good. Game of Thrones is so good. But it doesn't have, it doesn't have these themes running through it like Mad Men does. You know, which I mean, is there. I mean, Breaking Bad does, but not the layer like the. It does some some to some degree. Right. It doesn't have the historical events which force sure. us to do research and really get a good context sure. for the episode. I think that's a big part of it as well. And and that really just puts me into the mental space to enjoy the episode more. Yeah, and Breaking Bad does some literary allusions and some uh you know, not some, it does quite a bit of, yeah, that's of true. little details. But it just seems like Mad Men does it to the nth degree and for some reason it just feels really satisfying to pick at it yeah. and to unravel those threads. And it leaves it fairly ambiguous as well for people to interpret in their own ways. And I think that's what great art will do. Yeah. It, I've, True Detective might have given it a run for its money. <laughs> Very true, yeah. If we were covering that as it goes, and, and uh, you know, if unless we're dead, we'll be doing that for season two of True Detective. <laughs> but, uh-huh. God, I love Mad Men. It's my first love as far as quality of television. I know some people got started with uh, Sopranos and Deadwood. Mad Men was my first introduction to serious television because I never had cable. Yeah. Uh, and I finally got cable one year, and I started watching Mad Men and was sucked in. And then I got from there, I got under uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, so it's like, and it's it's weird that it's going to be over one more year. Sure. But yeah, it's I've got a lot all of... All good things. All good things come to an end, just like Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> <laughs> all right, enough enough sentimentality. Uh, sentiment, one more sentiment, question. Sentimentality. One more question before we get out of here. Okay. Does Pete get a new pit in L.A.? Well, that's where he dwells, right? The only, the only reason he wasn't living in a pit is because he 
was presumably <laughs> with his parents and then with Trudy. Yeah, Trudy in, kept in, it from being a pit. In absence of a civilizing <laughs> force, Pete's natural habitat is a pit. <laughs> it's true. A grimy little pit. A grimy little pit. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, I think I'm with you. New pit in L.A. All right. Well, let's get the hell out of here, man. Sounds See good. See you guys Sunday night. Yep. Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Thank you.